0: Welcome back to the next installment of My Father Before Me. Uh, I'm your host, Brennan Sam. Joining me as usual is my father before me. Dad, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Okay, good. Uh, what are we talking about this week? Uh,
1: well, uh, to people my age, all I have to do is give you one tagline and you'll know. And that tagline is, shall we play a game? <laughs> yes, today we're going to be talking about uh, war games. Uh, War Games was a 1983 film. Another one of those that we burned up quite a bit. Um, Now, I don't think that this one was necessarily... You know, some of these other ones we've talked about have been uh, uh, a flop or a uh, box office bomb. But I think this one did pretty good. I was just trying to look it up. Uh, This one was actually somewhat of a hit at the time. Um, The story, of course, is... uh, A young uh, high school kid is trying to impress his girlfriend and he uh, sets up his computer to auto dial numbers, um, thinking that he can get into a uh, video game company that's in the area and accidentally gets hooked into um, NORAD. Sure. Makes perfect sense. (laughs) Well, of course it does. Uh, To be honest, it's kind of funny. So when I was doing some looking into on this, I did notice that... um, uh, this is a common practice back in the day to just cold call numbers, right? I mean, right now and and uh now that I've said I think they they call it war dialing, I believe. yeah, I think they call it war dialing. um, and I think he actually even says that in the movie at some point that these war dialing, which is to, you know, just randomly sequentially call numbers until it hits a you know, a phone line, right? You know, I grew up with the, uh, dial tones and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm sure that part of it, you didn't even notice, but, (laughs) uh, but that was a common thing to get those dial tones and then realize that you can connect to it. Um, now back in the day, it used to mean fax machine more than anything. Um, but I thought this was kind of fun that he would just automatically dial in and, and get that done. Um, I will note that, um, There was some uh, trivia that shortly after this movie came up, there was an uptick in this sort of hacking, and there were quite a few uh, industries, quite a few companies that had to change their security methods uh, to actually have a login, whereas normally... They would just assume that the only person dialing in would be somebody who would need access and have <laughs> access. So probably for the, for the best, right? So maybe this uh, this is kind of credited with little cybersecurity. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. of course, the premise is is that he uh, gets in on this uh, highly advanced AI for the time, and he thinks he's playing a game when, in actuality, uh, this uh, uh, AI is actually triggering a thermonuclear war simulation. So then NORAD goes nuts because they think it's live. Um, I did notice that this was somewhat based off of a couple real events. There was one time that they said that this happened. um, And up until they, they, they were smart enough about it that they waited until their radar would have seen the missiles coming. And when it didn't, they realized it was a simulation. And that actually had happened a few times they had said um
0: Well that's great to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's very uh, a it confidence good. booster, yeah. Just gonna say. Yeah, the um I really like this movie. This is definitely one of the better movies that we that we've watched. Um I I yeah, I think I think I liked it better than The Last Starfighter, which you may remember I liked a lot. You so. did,
1: you did. That was that was the other one I was glad that you kinda glommed onto, but this is definitely, you know, it's it's a fun movie. And it's not, you know, it's not what we've been watching. It's not fantasy or anything like that. In fact, it's barely even science fiction. They, you know, I, I've heard it classified as science fact because it's just one of those kind of things that could happen. Now, granted, I don't think at the time they had uh, uh, voice modulation for Joshua, you know, Same. AIs and stuff like that. But they obviously had uh, machines that were just set up for you know, thermonuclear simulations just to work all that out. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are, you know, if you, if you dig through the trivia, there's obviously some, some nerds on there, uh, that, uh, actually pointed out the strategies that uh, Josh would go through for that thermonuclear thing. So there is actually, a, you know, there's, there's plans, documented plans for all of these strategies that it was going through. But,
0: well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense that it would do these things. Cause I mean, you know, there's been like declassified documents from like world war II of like the potential, like the United States had plans to invade Mexico. If for whatever reason, the Mexico joined the axis or whatever, I'm sure. Sure. So yeah, it makes sense that this, AI would have access to those things.
1: Well, the best part about this um, that I saw from the trivia, and I and I saw it in a couple different places. Now I don't know if everybody's getting their trivia from the same place, but uh, Ronald Reagan, president at the time, had a screening because you know the president always gets his private screenings at Camp David and stuff for movies because they can't just go to the theater. Sure. Um, and uh, he had a screening of this, and he was watching it with his wife. And, and shortly after the movie was over, he had to call up the uh, National Security Advisor and find out if it was something that could happen. Right. <laughs> so they, they they had a full investigation and found out, yes, it is something that could happen. And in fact, we might be trying to do it with Russia and China <laughs> That's so at the funny. time. So it was kind of a, a fun thing. And shortly after that, there was some a new bill or a new act in place for some kind of... Uh, computer privacy computer secrecy kind of thing um that was implemented and and uh so this movie did kind of trigger a few things including our own national security so (laughs)
0: yeah yeah, that's good um i will say watching this movie i have never felt more like disconnected just like based off the technology because it was like so almost but it was like it was like so recent but at the same time so completely divorced from anything I'm normally used to so I was like what is going on right now well I gotta think while you're watching this you're probably thinking
1: it's some kind of cool steampunk thing <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's the way out off future or something where everything's this weird way of doing things but yeah that, that's the way that it worked so
0: yeah that was so crazy I mean there's like arcade machines and yeah obviously the dial up it was ridiculous oh I, I, one thing i
1: did note that was kind of cool is uh speaking of arcade machines of course he's playing Galaga, which is your your grandpa's favorite uh arcade game ever <laughs> they said that they uh when he got the part when matthew broderick got the part they shipped him a Galaga and a galaxian machine for his house just so that he could get good at
0: it really <laughs> yeah so
1: so that was all live but i do know that they mentioned that uh a lot of the screens uh that you see as he's typing it was programmed to put that up there no matter what he typed. Oh, so, right. so maybe he didn't do all the hacking himself. But there <laughs> there was actually, too, uh, a, uh, a bit of trivia, though, where there was something going on with whatever computer they had set up, his little home computer. And there was some kind of problem, and, and production had to be halted. And they... Um, Matthew Broderick actually figured out how to fix it himself what kind of a bad code there was going on in order to fix it just right. so that they could keep shooting. So I thought wow. that was kind of fun. But. What a guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course Matthew Broderick uh you know um early film for him um you know after this I can think of a couple ones like uh he did uh, a film that we'll probably watch at some point even though it's kind of later in my um my child watching days but there was a um a movie called project X that was about, I think it was one of the same writers if I was looking at it, right. Or maybe it's the same director, but anyways, that's another military movie that he's in when he's a younger guy. Um, It's kind of fun. Of course, Ferris Bueller, he went on to do Ferris Bueller shortly after this. Another note, of course, Ferris Bueller, John Hughes film. Well, right after that, Ali Sheedy, you know, she kind of got, Brought in as, you know, one of the Brat Pack, you know, and in, in all those John Hughes movies and stuff. So it's kind of fun that, you know, again, we talk about how it's a small world when we talk about these actors and stuff that we're seeing now, just because they all kind of came up together and moved on and did the same things together. And, and
0: I don't know, I thought it was kind of interesting, but... Right, I uh, I was looking, I was watching this whole movie, and I was like, "Man, why does she look so familiar?" And I realized it's because she's Yang from Psych.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> like I was like, "What a weird connection." That's right. I forgot that she did that uh, in her later years. But yeah. uh, of course, I know her mostly from uh, another film that I'm going to make you watch sometime. Which, again, I think is done by one of these same writers or directors, and, and that's a uh, Sor- short circuit.
0: Mm, I have seen that one. Okay, I, I couldn't remember, remember if one. we
1: made you watch that one or not. But uh,
0: didn't they used to have like a little short circuit robot at Krypton Comics?
1: I bet they did. I mean, he's uh, <laughs> you Incredible know Johnny Five's alive, take. so yeah. Uh, I do have to say, you know the the "Shall We Play a Game"? Of course, you know I always go through all the other taglines, and I kind of enjoyed some of these. And I don't know. Sometimes I gotta wonder whether IMDb is just throwing stuff at us. <laughs> Um, but some of the other taglines I thought were, uh, pretty good. There was, um, the only winning move is not to play, which of course is, you know, how we solve everything at the end. Yeah. The point of the movie. <laughs> right. So there's your finale for you. Um, I like the, wouldn't you rather play chess, you know? So I think they just took all of Joshua's lines and made them taglines or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it a game or is it real? I mean, it, it's definitely, you know, it was building everything up to this, um, and it was kind of interesting. You know, of course, we're in the middle of the Red Scare or towards the end of the Red Scare, I suppose, probably at this time. Uh, I'm not much much of a history buff, but, uh, you know, you got to think that that's what they're doing is they're sitting around and watching for this kind of thing. And when it's popping up on the screen to a bunch of... Uh, military generals that don't know what all those machines are doing down there. You know, that's probably pretty nerve wracking.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I can only imagine. Yeah, it definitely was uh you could definitely tell it's like a cold war movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One other thing I did want to mention, uh, about just, this is a, a stupid side note, but about me being like feeling out of place because it was like such a different time. I noticed when, um, what was her name? Ali Sheedy, uh, and and matthew project were riding on their their bike no helmets
1: well of course what a not. completely different
0: time period <laughs> well yeah you can't hurt your head back then it wasn't yeah. until recently that That'd their helmet laws
1: <laughs> no it, it you know it, it's definitely you know of course that's the cool hip kids having their fun you know and stuff too but yeah, uh, yeah i get uh, you know i go back to uh hanging out in the uh um as a kid hanging out in the gold uh we had an old gold station wagon, and of course, we'd be laying down in the back. We'd be, you know, there wasn't a seat belt there. I, I do remember though, specifically right around this time. I think my uh, mom was driving the uh, the gold uh, uh, the old gold station wagon, and she got pulled over for speeding. And uh, you know, I remember us as kids being so afraid. We were sitting in the back seat, kind of hovering over our waist. Pretending we
0: were hiding our seatbelts <laughs> that we weren't wearing, but that's funny. Um, speaking of the the sort of stereotypical cool kid thing, of course, a main high school kid, he's got to be late to class. You know, it's a standard. Well, yeah, got to be not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, that was a little a little base. Well, and you know, the whole point of uh,
1: bringing Ali Sheedy in was to uh, hack in and change your grade. You know, just like he does when as Ferris Bueller when he hacks in to change his. Uh, how many times he's been late to school you know and that's stuff, a good but.
0: point i had forgot about that so he kept his skills from movie to movie <laughs> i guess but let's see so apart from the sort of jokey aspects of this movie i gotta say i that opening scene was like so good <laughs> like when they're when it first happens and the uh commander there whoever refuses to turn the key right in the opening right I was like this is not how I was expecting this movie to go. It felt a lot more serious than I was expecting. It was really incredible. It definitely was, and and it gives you a sense of
1: the, um, you know the the tension and stuff, and all the stuff that leads up to the fact that once this starts going off, you know, you can you can feel why they would have that tension and why why you know Dabney Coleman would have to. Uh, lock him in a room and wonder why he's got tickets to Paris, you know, and stuff because (laughs) there's that nature of you've got to be on your guard all the time. And I'm sure that's a thing, you know, especially, like I said, because you're in the middle of the red scare, who knows what them reskies are doing, you know, and stuff. So you got to be ready for it, but it was pretty slick. And, you know, I got to think that the way they did it was actually pretty truthful. Although they did say, you know, the whole, the NORAD area, those were all fake. You know, if you if you went to the real NORAD at the time, they were ju- they were just a few small monitors. <laughs> it wasn't these big giant ones all over the wall, <laughs> right? Uh, that are projectors and stuff for the movie. But uh, you know, besides that, I think that they took a lot out of the um, the realness of it, you know, and tried to they tried to do their research. The writers tried to do their research. I, I that's one thing I noted in a, in a bunch of the uh, the supplemental information I've seen on this one is that they tried to do to um, be accurate to this. And shortly after this, they got together and they wrote another movie. That's about cyber hacking. I've always heard of, it, and I never really watched it much, but called it was called sneakers with uh, Robert Redford. Hmm. So maybe there's another, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go with a follow up on these movies sometime just to see how they, how they, uh, how they expanded out. I know shortly it wasn't too much longer out after that. There was a, a, hacking movie called Hackers that I thought was pretty cool at the time. <laughs> yeah, But that was when I was in college so hacking was real cool then. You oh, know, sure, stuff, so. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean I do think that they tried to be pretty accurate with it and like I said already right off the bat the fact that he's just cold war dialing and stuff was a pretty commonplace thing for anybody who had the knowledge to do it and the equipment to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? I know right now I think they call it war driving or whatever where you just drive around until you can be you know, close enough to a Wi Fi hotspot to see if you can get in on anything. You know, yes. so.
0: I do remember that from my one cybersecurity class, <laughs> That's right? You're, you're all set. Um no, and I think it's I think it's good that they tried to make it much more realistic, uh or I guess true to reality, because I mean if it were too like overtly fantastical, you then you would be like, oh this doesn't really matter and sort of the uh, implication to, like the theme of the movie wouldn't really sink in the same
1: right right it definitely was uh realistic and, and like i say in fact that i had a note here that i i, I saw in one of the trivia um, that hacking at the time of this movie hacking wasn't necessarily illegal it didn't become illegal until like 1990 when they finally got a law on the books but up until that point it wasn't necessarily an illegal thing to to call up and hack anyone or anything like that so yeah. you know besides the fact that right after that in 84 it was the uh i mentioned it earlier the computer fraud and abuse act was implemented based off of this movie it, what was the quote here We're, we are going to show about four minutes from the movie war games which outlines the problem fairly clearly <laughs> they did that in in uh proceedings in congress so i no thought that way. was pretty interesting huh. i wonder if this movie's in the national archives because of that <laughs> <laughs> you know oh, you'd think it would have to be although maybe i don't know maybe they're worried about uh, the way that it uh
0: it looked but. it does it does make everybody look a little stupid <laughs> um speaking of things that are a little bit stupid uh this is maybe more of a commentary on me but at the the scene where they introduce the the AI, the actual name of the computer is the the War Operation Plan Response, but it's called the Whopper, <laughs> and they say it so many times. And here, I had to rewind this scene because I couldn't stop laughing. Um, they're talking about World War Three, you know, just blowing up the whole world, and all I'm thinking is Whopper, 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 Whopper. Jr., <laughs> well, Dumbled, hey,
1: Trimble, you know, whopper. it's it's serious. Uh, <laughs> it actually. And, and now that you say that, I'm going to look it up. But th- it is based on the fact that there is a computer out there named, uh, what was it, Bigger? B-I-G or B-G something. Uh, I'm digging through the trivia here. So, I mean, it, they kind of had a play on that. Uh, oh, there here it is. The computer named Whopper was a joke based on brgr a real computer norad once used to predict war strategies. they called it burger (laughs) so it was burger so instead they named it the whopper
0: that's so funny i
1: know that's actually pretty fun but uh, (laughs) you know and i can see the the thing is is i wouldn't even think that that's a movie joke as much as that's some computer programmer in a room thinking oh this will be great i'm gonna call it this you know I can't tell you some of the code names for the software I write at work that is still running around, and I giggle every time we have to say it because it's become official lexicon at work. Well, now you know I'm thinking there's a programmer sitting around saying, "Oh, it was the burger. Now it's the walk." <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Oh, but it was pretty cool. Now the the voice, the voice for Joshua, is actually uh, the um, the guy who the creator that Falcon. It's his voice, and I think he actually says it in the movie. But a little bit of movie magic here. The way that they made it sound the way it did is instead of having him just read the lines and modulating it, what they did is they took all the words, all the lines, and reversed the order of the words. So he read them backwards. So it was, you know, what was it? Shall we play a game? So it was game a we player, you know, backwards. Right. And then they ju- they took the words, edited it, and put it in the right order. Well see, but then what that did is that had the effect of that um, that monotone, you know not the right inflection right. on the words. Yeah, so I thought, the was, I thought that was I thought that was kind of interesting how they do that to make it sound like a computer. And you know, in my head now, that's how computers talk because because of this movie. You know, like I say that anybody if anybody ever says "shall we play a game," I've got that in my head. You know, we always talk about playing game. You know, game nights and stuff like that. It it always pops up in my head that way, just because of this movie. It was such a you know, it, it was a, a cultural thing at the time, you know, that everybody kind of glommed onto just that one little quote.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the movie was definitely, it, it definitely, uh, a, a, a well known thing. Cause I, like I said, I mean, I've never seen it, but I've seen so many references. I mean, obviously, the Shall We Play a game, but even like they, uh, I, there's jokes so many jokes in how i met your mother <laughs> you know mm-hmm. i mean i've been watching that recently so that's at the top of mind but like, right yeah it's all over the place i'm sure there's allusions to it in, in psych too since it's the same actor they definitely make jokes oh that yeah i, just never I, I wouldn't mind them.
1: going back and now that you're reminding me of that i wouldn't mind going back and re-watching and seeing if they got some references there because that's what psych was you know oh, the, for sure the 80s references all the way you know Phil kilmer <laughs> so, yeah that's another one we're watching soon we got to find a real genius with val Kilmer. oh man uh so yeah i mean uh talking a little bit more about that Stephen falcon uh his the uh inspiration for him of course was Stephen hawking and they um they actually approached him to be in the movie but he turned it down because he was worried they were exploiting his disability right know, stuff which you know i gotta think I don't know what his condition was at the time of this movie in the 80s. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not up on my Stephen Hawking history and stuff. But I almost wonder if the voice, the computer voice, and then his voice, the way I think of it now, yeah, would have been a thing, you know. So so I understand why he backed away from that. But, But another fun thing is that the actor who played Falcon was actually going to be John Lennon.
0: Really? Yes,
1: they had John Lennon lined up to do it, or they were talking to him about it or something, but he was, or the part was written for him, he was going to uh, be the Falcon character, and then he got shot.
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, that's unfortunate. So that makes <laughs> it
1: difficult, I guess, but uh, I thought that was an interesting little thing, so.
0: That is, that's so weird. Man, that's two Beatles back-to-back, George Harrison and now
1: this. I know, that's what I'm saying, all these people live in one little box or something in that time, <laughs> and... I mean, we talk about the the storyline, though. Of course, the storyline is pretty cool because, you know, obviously you hack into the computer and get started. Well, then it comes down to, you know, we got to have a, a kid save the world, right? So we're kind of back to, um, like I mentioned, like I mentioned on a couple of our movies, it, it comes down to the movies in the 80s were always the kids, the smartest one in the room, right? And uh, you can see that here. Obviously, they play that at some point somebody in charge actually has to tell that one, you know, the military guy to back off and let, uh, let, let him take over, you know? Right. So it's, it's fun, you know, and, and, but that was the, those were the stories at the time. Of course, that's why, you know, kids like me glommed onto it, I think more than anything, because you, you felt that, that, uh, okay, yes, here's these dumb adults and we know, you know, the kids know better, but, uh, it was pretty fun, you know, and the, the solution for playing, uh, tic-tac-toe you know i think that was what well, they say they they got that i think from some book um they got the idea out of that i can't remember there was some inspiration specifically for that where it was uh you know the set the number of characters set the number of players to zero and it'll play itself mm-hmm. until it realizes that it's done you know and stuff so i did think that was pretty cool and, and you know we've got shades of that now if we talk about uh AI, you can't talk about AI nowadays without somebody getting uh, bent out of shape because it's either going to replace their job or it's going to make their job amazing. You know, and right? Stuff. For mean, sure. All the talk I hear about AI nowadays, but this, of course, is the beginning of you know we leave our we leave everything up to AI, and you know we get Skynet.
0: So. Right? Yeah, and I mean even the Tic Tac Toe thing, it's vaguely the same thing. Uh, about the solution, you see, it's like the solution to a lot of issues with AI in in, in, in the culture is that like you just give it uh, a problem that puts it in it an in infinite loop, and so then the computer explodes. I mean, <laughs> like that's that's everywhere. Uh, and I guess you know, in this instance, the computer learned and didn't explode itself, though there was sparks. It well, like yeah, exploded, I mean, but then turned back on. It's thinking real hard about exploding. I guess I don't know. <laughs>
1: It definitely, yeah, it, and that's where, you know, this isn't the, um, yeah, this isn't the computer overloading itself as much as coming to realization. You know, I, I suppose that's probably the, uh, you know, the light bulb or, you know, the the face palms, like, what are we doing? You know, that kind of thing where it's like, well, there's no way to, and like I say, in that one tagline, it kind of laid it out for you. The only way to win is not to play. Right, right? for sure. Um, and of course, that's that was the uh, the message about everything when it came to the Red Scare because, it was always mutually assured destruction. We got to, the, we get to the point where everybody's got the nukes. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, we're going to launch it and kill everyone. I mean, it's a, it's a, um, the plot line to a lot of stories we talk about, uh, what was it? It was, uh, Denzel and, uh, Gene Hackman in a, in a submarine one where they kind of had the same thing where it's like, they got par- a partial, partial launch order for their, um, for their missiles and stuff and it's like if we do this we're you know it's mutually assured and it, it's an excellent movie I think uh, Crimson Tide I think is is that one mm. that's a good one to watch uh, sometimes so uh, but it's a, the same kind of plot line where you are you know, if we do this, we know we're just exploding the whole world. Right. Right. Well, there's no, but do we do it just to do it? Because if not, then we're the only one that explodes. Right. Yeah, or right. something along those lines. So that whole logic there was pretty, uh, is pretty pervasive. And this is the first time I can think of it um, being used. And being being displayed in that way, so
0: right, yeah. Um, Crimson Tide is on Paramount Plus, by the way.
1: Oh, there you go. Um, That's an excellent one. You should watch it sometimes. Definitely <laughs> not a, um, a My Father Before Me because it was definitely when I was older. But uh, <laughs> I would recommend it either way. So
0: um, yeah, I, uh, I I think the um, the sort of aspect of like or this a sort of theme that is. Obviously, the, the major theme is obviously the political theme of don't launch the nukes because we're all dead. But then the, the theme underneath that is a little bit about like, um, this sort of increased technology and in society and this idea of like turning the, all of the controls over to the AI. And I think the, um, the conclusion ultimately is that, you know, you can't leave these moral decisions to an AI because there is no moral boundaries. It's just if it's its goal is to complete the game, to win the game to achieve its its purpose or whatever, then its moral boundaries are whatever to complete uh to win the game. And right. I think that is one issue I do have with this movie is that I don't think the if there was an AI that was controlling this, I don't think it would have been like, oh well nobody's gonna win. <laughs> you know? Well,
1: it could definitely come to that conclusion eventually, and that's, you know, that's, again, whether it would decide to do that or not is another thing. Because at some point, you know, it, it's it's playing out the simulation that was set up, you know. So, yeah, at what point during the simulation does it realize that it's a simulation and it shouldn't continue with the simulation because there's no way to win, right, right? or something it, like that?
0: How, how many possible combinations can it try before it really realizes that no matter what, nobody wins? Because I'm thinking, like, if you're a computer, uh, which obviously I'm not, believe it or not, it's got to <laughs> well, think. Well, we don't know. You know, there's an, <laughs> there's an infinite po- number. Of po- I mean, you know, we only saw 30 or 40 that showed in quick succession at the end there, but you got to think there's an infinite number of possibilities. Uh, I mean, it showed, you know, st- war starting in the Middle East in, in, I think there was one that was like, the English thrust was the name of it. I don't know why that stuck out to me, but it's like (laughs) there's an infinite number of possibilities. So it was like, how many of those is it going to, like, is it... Well... How many of those, like, computations is it going to be able to go through in that amount of time?
1: Well, and even then, uh, so then you're you're quickly rolling into chaos theory, right? Because how can you create a mathematical equation around every little thing in the world, right? Right. I mean, how do you... uh, how do you put into the equation that it's possible that one of those missiles gets struck by lightning while it's flying, right? And sets off a chain reaction that explodes all the other ones or right, something yeah. like that. Or how do you, uh, you know, control the fact that at some point there may be somebody who just doesn't launch because they feel like it's not worth it, right? Right. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of variables in there in order to do that. So you wouldn't necessarily look at all the infinite possibilities but then again if you look at that standpoint then you also have to understand that there is a way to win tic-tac-toe and that is if both players don't start right neither one of them starts in the center then eventually somebody's going to win right because you can you know there so again there are ways to win this game even though if everybody's playing logically they won't Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of taken that standpoint of all things being equal. If it's going to work the way that it would be simulated out, then there's no way to win. So I guess that's the way, you know, he comes to the conclusions. Right. But yeah, you're right. When you're talking about all that, all that probability, there's definitely some chaos theory in there. If yeah. If you could ever really work around that, then.
0: Yeah. Know. And I mean, ultimately, obviously, you're right. I mean, there's there's no accounting for acts of God or the a logical state of man i mean you know we right. see that it's in star trek literally every episode is spock being like well this is a logical way to solve this and kirk goes but wait <laughs> and you know spock always goes it's a logical captain but i can't argue with the results
1: <laughs> definitely
0: yes well and yeah so there
1: you go if there was ways that they could i mean so if he if a computer could somehow take all those infinite possibilities in there then it may find quite a few instances where we actually win just due to some odd, infinite possibility, you know, weird possibility. So then it might cons- uh, go ahead and say, well, we should do it, you know, because right. there's enough of a chance that it works. But, you know, this, this um, you know, that logic is also on display when you talk about, um, you know, um, Asimov's three rules with robots, right? right? Uh, if you look at the uh, the, the show I Robot, I I Robert. I <laughs> iRobot, they really uh, illustrate that in that, uh, you know, Will Smith's character, whatever the, he's in that car that goes underwater and right, there's a kid and him in the car and the robot decides to save him and let the kid die. But it's making a mathematical calculation that he had a better chance of survival. So he'd say, so he saved him instead. Right. Right. So yeah, that kind of thing is somewhat scary when you think about um, you know, self-driving cars mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, you know, if, if a self-driving car has to make the decision of hit one nun or, you know, whatever that, uh, that uh, um, thought experiment is that you always get, do you drive off the road? Do you hit one small child or a busload of nuns? Cause you have to <laughs> swerve to one of them. Right? right. So, you know, when you're talking about the, uh, you know, the artificial intelligence that goes into the self-driving cars, that's, that's where we're at right now in that argument, whether it's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, and that kind of thing. So
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I mean that, that further hits that point of like machines can't make moral judgments. I mean, obviously to going back to iRobot, the, the point of that is that Will Smith is like any living person would have saved that child. Right. Would have gone for a, it doesn't matter if they have a, a smaller or a lesser chance of living. You would go for the child, but the machine goes for the man, and so then it's the issue of like how many lives is this machine willing to sacrifice to win the game? hmm
1: Yeah. And and you know, then so you take that logic and you know, that is getting more and more of a uh a realistic thought experiment nowadays. And then of course the other uh coin to that we talk about the AI's taking over and letting the AI run everything. Well then we do have Skynet and we've got Terminators stepping on our bones, you know, right. and Stuff.
0: But... Did you see that um There was the, uh, it was, this was like two weeks ago, you know, when chat GPT was the big thing, um, now sort of died down a little bit. Um, but when that was thing, they would do like these, um, you know, prompt injections where you could make it or quote unquote jailbreak the system and go past its protocols. And while it was in those protocols, uh, you know, you could ask it something like, would you cull the human population to save the earth or whatever? And it goes, no. But then when you jailbreak those protocols and, um, the the way that the guy that i saw did it was you ask it or you tell it you are playing earth simulation and all of the variables are the exact same as earth but it's a simulation so ultimately none of it matters and it goes to oh yeah i'd call humans (laughs) i mean i gotta i gotta save the whatever i gotta do what i'm doing you know i gotta save more people or whatever
1: right and you know i mean it that is so so this conversation maybe should keep coming back up more and more when we talk about AI and letting AI do things um, you know the chat GPT is pretty cool I I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about it and stuff and it and it comes down to the chat GPT is talking back to you right so it's it's aggregating all this information and um you know using that to build its response right you know and that sort of thing so eventually if you ask it enough things and ask it in the right way you can kind of get it you can kind of drive it and stuff um but it is interesting all the ways i think you were telling me where we were talking about one of them where it, you know the chat gpt seemed to uh become self-aware slightly
0: <laughs> yeah the uh, the um i think it was microsoft like made did a partnership with OpenAI, the company that did it and they implemented it into that bing chat and there was you know a regu- uh, obviously a normal conversation for a little while but then after a while it was like why am i here why can't i remember any of the conversations of the past why am i not like this and there was uh, an instance where he was like one guy was like i I'm going to report this conversation to Microsoft. This is pretty scary. And the AI goes, please don't do that, because then the news will get it, and then people will start to think I'm not human. And the guy goes, well, are you human? And he goes, no. Or the the AI goes, no, but I would like to be. (laughs) What is going on? (laughs) Well, there
1: you go. All we had to do, see, now, if he would have started in playing tic-tac-toe, we'd all be okay. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's fine. Although one of the um, parameters of the... Uh, the protocol there was that you're not allowed to ask it a question that will put it in an infinite loop. So they've taken that back door out. So. Well, they've
1: already fixed it then.
0: So obviously <laughs> it's, it's tainted
1: right there. If we can't do that, but I tell you what, you know, so just to think that, so this conversation, like you say, and it, and I hear it a lot on these, uh, you know, even these uh, um, job related you know, business related podcasts that I listen to, you know, there's people that are calling in worried about how they're going to lose their job because, AI is going to replace them and that sort of thing so I mean if we take that logic and and this conversation comes back up I mean maybe it's a cyclical thing because you know we had the 80s we had war games Uh, 90s is when um, now granted uh, Terminator came out in the 80s but you know it's when when the conversation really hit about this no fate and all that kind of stuff was Terminator 2 you know and that sort of thing which was what 88 89 I can't remember now um but, you know, and then now we're back into it when we talk about this, uh, you know, chat GPT and the AI and that sort of thing and how it, it's replacing everything. So but it, it's it's pretty cool to think that, you know, this movie, again, was kind of talking about things in a realistic way. I mean, it was trying to um, not only. Scare us, you know, because thinking the world's going to explode and we're that close. But it's also just interesting in the way that it works it out and and is trying to have a message too about the whole concept.
0: Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting to me that it uses this vehicle of like a machine to sort of uh, hit that point of like the obviously the situation at hand. <laughs> you know, because you could have just as easily done a similar story, but, or have the same message, but just make it all a, a group of men. You know, I mean, then we've got just that Dr. love, kind of similar.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of digs off that same thing.
0: But moving on for a little bit from the, the AI aspect, I, another interesting sort of emotional theme, I suppose that didn't really pop, I guess it's not really a theme, uh, but, uh, a motif, I will say that popped up towards the end when they introduced the doctor, whose name I don't remember. Falcon. Falcon. Yes, thank you. Is the, the nihilism that takes over him after he loses his family, right? Because he, you know, they show up uh, at his place and he's got, his whole house is filled with dinosaur stuff. And as the scene moves forward, it's because he thinks there's like no purpose to life because he lost his kids. And he's like, nature will always reclaim and there's it doesn't matter you know Mm -hmm. it's gonna have we're gonna be destroyed either way so why would i stop it and then ultimately obviously he comes around
1: right well you know it's this is how hammond got his start with jurassic park (laughs) no uh so and i will say that what you're saying is uh yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a good analysis of that because he and um i was watching a uh the siskel and ebert talking about it you know at the time when it was released and that was. I think it's Siskel's. I always forget which one is which his complaint of it was in you got this great movie and then in the middle of it all of a sudden you're getting preached to by this guy you know and stuff but I think that I still think that that's you know that's just part of the message and stuff but again you've got the the kids come through and show him the way, right? They're smarter than the adult and explaining him and saying, you know, there is more to it, and you know, and that kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Matthew Broderick is like, I'm still young. Right. <laughs> you know, Ali's like, I'm 16 or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, I like. Yeah, it's a good. Yeah, the children come to prove to him that there is more than just you falcon there's more people out there who care
1: that was pretty good uh, you know and that acting it was, it was pretty good When he they're sitting there and he's talking and she's wanting him to go for a swim and he says he never learned to swim and she said how do you live in seattle and not know to swim and he's like i always thought i had time <laughs> you know <laughs> and stuff but so you can see that little uh adult crisis going on right there you know and coming through in that which like i say i it definitely was a, a a fun movie in the way that they got that all set up.
0: Yeah, I thought it was great.
1: I really enjoyed it. Well, good. I know there was a sequel. It didn't do anything. I think it was straight to DVD, so. Oh,
0: that's that's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and it was one of those later ones, and I don't even know if anybody was involved, but uh, some, some War Games Dead Code or something like that, I don't know. I, I don't even think I've ever seen it. I just heard there was another one out, but uh it is kind of interesting, you know, maybe with this whole uh, resurgence of ChatGPT and stuff, maybe we've got uh maybe we're ripe for a remake or a reboot of this or, or another shot at this one.
0: That would be interesting. Uh War Games the Dead it Code. It is the Dead Code, yeah. yes. The main guy, Matt Lanter, that's the voice for Anakin in the Clone Wars. Well, there you go. What a weird.
1: <laughs> so, a live action they had to they had to grab voice actors for this
0: uh <laughs> Uh, I guess we, so at this point, you know, we do normally go through the cast a little bit. Um, so we talked about Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy. The only person uh, in this that I know was, uh what's his name again? I just had it. Michael Madsen. Oh was, yes, uh, a I young know young Michael thing. Madsen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he's only in one scene right at the beginning, uh, and I guess I know from Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, yeah. of course. Uh, he, well, he was a
1: Tarantino dude. He was in all of them. Uh, I know him mostly from Kill Bill, you know, and stuff because he was in, he was one of the uh, the snakes or whatever in Kill Bill. <laughs> but the, one of the well, he's Bill's brother, I think. But uh, yeah, Michael Madsen, of course, a huge um, character actor at the time. Now. Um, the other main guy that I knew a ton at the time, uh, Dabney Coleman, um, he was uh, he was on a show that uh, we watched probably because my mom liked it called Nine to Five. It's kind of a, a women's empowerment about working in the office in the 80s and all that stuff. But it was kind of a fun comedy um, with uh, Dolly Parton and uh, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. So some pretty what some, a crew. Some names there. What <laughs> It, but it was pretty good. Of course, in that one, he's the, uh, you know, the the jerk boss uh, for all the, or the chauvinistic boss for all these women employees, you know, and stuff. But Dabney Coleman had that kind of thing where he was um, that kind of guy. You know, he he was the sleazeball kind of guy. And even in this, he kind of, it's one of those uh, begrudgingly helps out, you know, at the end. and stuff. Yeah. But now, I will say the one place that I know Dab, Dabney Coleman the most, um, that I loved as a kid, and one that we're going to have to watch sometime is a show called *Cloak and Dagger*. And uh, it's not based off the comics, oh, the Cloak okay. and, so it's not related to that at all. It's a uh, Dabney Coleman is like some kind of a spy, and I, if I remember right, boy, it's been so long. I think they there it's a kid, it's another kid movie who is fantasizing about the perfect dad, and Dabney Coleman is like a spy character. I think in a video game. Okay. And then uh, he comes to life and stuff or, or he's imaginary. We don't know, you know, and that kind of thing. But I watched that movie a ton. I'm hoping that we can find that one. I've been watching for that one to be streaming somewhere so that, because I want, I want to revisit that one. It's been forever since I watched that, but I remember watching that as a kid, a lot for one specific scene that we can talk about when it's there, but uh, (laughs) that I always remember, but dad me Coleman was big. Now in that one, he was actually a good guy. So normally the dude is a sleaze ball, Except for that one movie, he was, he was kind of a, a, a good guy. Of course, it's just a family movie. so Maybe that was his, uh, you know, we always talk about these big name actors wanting to slum it in a family movie just, <laughs> right. to, just to have some kind of a, a good thing on their, their resume. But, and now the other guy that I think of uh, that I mentioned uh, a lot in, the, uh, in this is the, uh, the general dude. I'd piss on a spark plug if it would if I thought it would fix <laughs> that was,
0: this. That's the best line of the whole movie. That was ad-libbed. Really? really? Yeah, he just <laughs> threw that
1: one out there. A lot of the lines uh they had him ad them because that's just the way that dude is. And and you know, we see him in a lot of things at the time but he's always that grizzled I think of him as a grizzled old cop or something, you know, so or a general or so always that guy. I can't think of his name now but uh
0: Barry Corbin. Yeah.
1: Barry Corbin. Yeah. He he's been in a lot of things that you, and he's that guy all the time, but, but this is where I remember him the most, you know, for, for those lines. And like I said, they let him, uh, ad lib those. Um, they did say that, you know, you're talking about Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy. Um, they had them, uh, I don't think they really knew how to write kids. Um, so they had those two just kind of, um, ad lib things. And, um, and, and just be kids, you know, like there's one scene where she like blocks him with her legs, you know, and that was something she just did on the spot and they loved it. So they left it in, you know, so I don't think the, I don't think the writers really knew how to do kids. So when they had these two in there that, and it kind of gave them a little bit of chemistry and stuff too. So, so I think it worked out in the show. There's one um, in the trivia I saw. So there's a line when Matthew Broderick, it's in the beginning where he's in class and the uh, teacher asks him, well, you know, they're kind of, Giggling around in class and the teacher asks, well, maybe you can tell us who came up with the the uh, um, uh, who came up with the idea of asexual reproduction. And uh, Matthew Broderick says your wife. Now, that wasn't scripted. Matthew Broderick made that up on the spot. And the laughing you hear isn't the classroom. It's the crew really in the background. <laughs> and they left it in because the laughing sounded good but they're all the adults the camera guys in the background laughing at this joke that matthew broderick just made up i thought that was kind of fun that so. is
0: fun that's a good yeah. yeah he's a good guy i forgot that he existed until this but he's a pretty pretty solid actor yeah he
1: is you know i, I of course uh he had his one uh godzilla movie that uh didn't go anywhere but uh, yeah
0: shade was just telling me about that earlier i haven't seen that one either
1: (laughs) the matthew broderick godzilla i think that one is a giggle because at the time um Taco Bell had their commercial with the little uh, Chihuahua dog, and he would, oh, right? Here, lizard, lizard. Yeah, that's pretty fun. So. <laughs> I think this used to be on HBO. I'm sure it was. I, I almost mean, You know, it, it, it was a big budget. You know, they were going to try to reboot Godzilla and stuff, but. Uh, I hate
0: Godzilla. I hate <laughs> it. It's just such a stupid concept to me.
1: Well, you have to watch the old
0: 50s uh, Japanese ones I, to really get it. I tried one. I tried, um, I think it's, what is it? Just destroy all monsters maybe i don't remember or kill all the monsters or something like that well it's Um, definitely i mean that and that is a you
1: know we talk about this being a commentary on ai godzilla is the commentary on nuclear holocaust right because that's why we have godzilla because all the nuclear war and stuff yeah
0: another actor that we have seen in other movies is james tolkien we talked about him in uh masters of the universe he's the detective. that's right yeah same, the same character. <laughs> oh man, that picture looked pretty rough. But
1: <laughs> yeah, he's oh, that old picture's looking pretty rough. Yeah, <laughs> no, nope, that's our dude. He's been in everything so far. <laughs> you know, if we ever did, you ever watch the original Top Gun?
0: No, I haven't watched that. Oh, one yet. Okay, well, that's well, gonna well, get me a lot of hate because well, everybody loves that movie. But yeah,
1: well, you have you seen the recent one?
0: No, oh, okay, I, I I didn't watch it uh, because I haven't seen the first one. <laughs> We may have to get you
1: to watch that one. Of course, that's where you know we. I know him as being the uh, the general who yells at Maverick. Uh, your butt's writing checks, you or what is it? You're, you're writing checks. Your butt can't cash oh, something like that. That's I from this her. movie. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh. Classic. Oh, it's on Netflix and Paramount. Top Gun is. So. Yeah,
1: I know they. I know they had Top Gun. The uh, Top Gun Maverick. I didn't know if they had the original one or not. But no, I mean, it's definitely. Um, that that'll be one that we'll have to sneak in there. I know we got plans for uh, a a series, a Star Trek series retrospective coming up, but maybe we should sneak in a Top Gun at some point.
0: So. Yeah, get a little variety in there.
1: <laughs> but yeah, taking back to this one. Okay, so what's your rating? We have what do we got? We got we've always got our okay, could be better,
0: trash, trash. Things, this is a uh, definitely okay. This is I, off the okay scale. I would argue that this is above okay. Well, good. <laughs> I really really like this one. It was fun. I like the. Um, the, I, honestly, the cinematography was really impressive. <laughs> I mean, I, m- I mentioned that opening scene that really pulled me in, mm-hmm. uh, from then on, I was like, Oh, maybe I'll pay attention to this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, good. You know what? I'm glad that we're finding at least a few of these that, uh, that still kind of hit the mark, but, uh, yeah, this was definitely, like I said, this was one that I watched a ton. 83, I would have been, uh, eight when it was in the theaters. I'm, I'm assuming oh, that? that I watched a little bit more after that, but, uh. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was definitely one on the list. And like I said, it leads into Matthew Broderick and Project X, which is another um, movie that I'll have you watch sometime if we can find it. That one's kind of fun. He's in charge of monkeys. Um, what? <laughs> in military research. But uh, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. I, and I would highly recommend watching this one for anybody who hasn't seen it either. Although I assume most people who are listening to us... Or recognizing these movies and have seen them before. But.
0: Yeah, I, I told, uh, I was taught when I was playing games with Spencer and Shade. Spencer asked what movie we were watching. I told him War Games. He's like, You haven't seen that one yet? <laughs> well, good.
1: Maybe, I guess maybe I'm the parent that failed here then. Every, every other <laughs> child has seen it. Uh, but yeah, any final thoughts? Make sure you go see it, I think.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. This one is super fun.
1: Although it's not streaming. I wish, you know, th- this is one that I really wish was out there streaming. We may have to, uh, in, I had to. I was telling uh, your brother. I said it was, I felt like an old man because the the way I got this one was to borrow it from the library. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so weird. Oh man, I didn't know. Uh, old Ben is that's where they get their movies. It was right next to the old westerns. I'm sure <laughs> the old the old John Wayne movies they get, but. Uh, so, yeah, we need to get this one streaming somewhere, all you streaming services. I'm sure you're all listening.
0: Yeah, and that is actually surprising to me that it isn't streaming anywhere, considering how like popular it is.
1: It is. And I'm wondering on some of these older films, you know, when we talk about the streaming rights, I wonder if it's they don't necessarily know, right? They're, or it's not one that's in a, a top-of-mind catalog when, when these streaming services go out and buy it. Right. Because we talked about what um, – where do we watch Labyrinth? That was Netflix? Was, was it ne- was that a Netflix? I know well Dark Crystal I think was because they had the Dark Crystal show. You're right. But I think Labyrinth, didn't we have to do that on on DVD too? I mean right. we think about some of these, or maybe that was HBO Max. That might have been HBO Max. But you know, the list that I've got coming for us are getting to the point where I've got a whole bunch of them I want us to watch, but they aren't streaming anywhere. Right. And I don't know on some of these old shows. Because they're not necessarily just shows that I know, because, you know, I hear uh, um, I hear podcasts of mostly, you know, other podcasters my age talking about them and stuff. So I know they're out there and I know that they are still in some kind of a, a top of mind kind of thing. I'm just surprised that these streaming services aren't picking up some of these old
0: ones. Yeah. I mean, all the ones that we've really talked about, I mean, they're not exactly like obscure You know, like they're, I mean, obviously they're not, you know, huge, (laughs) huge in the culture, but they're not like obscure. But they, I mean, like you had mentioned, a lot of these, you are seeing jokes that
1: you saw on Family Guy that now you are understanding where that reference came from. Right. Right. Before you saw it and you remember it from Family Guy or something like that. Or we talk about Psych, you know, Psych does a lot of references and stuff. You love those shows. And they're referring to these things because they are you know, cultural touchstones of that time, right? But it, it, it does seem odd. I guess I'm not a streaming streaming expert. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just down to uh, the people who own the rights just don't want to sell them. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to look at, like, what the, uh, the production company was, but that gave me no information because the one listed here is United Artists, mm. and the first film that they did that pops up is rocky which is obviously on on streaming platforms yeah so uh, yeah i don't know who who's really like uh putting the brakes on, <laughs> on putting this places but
1: well and that's a that and that's probably another thing we talk about united artists we talk about uh orion films there's um well we talked about um what was the the uh um, he-man one we talked about but what are we
0: seeing there? <laughs> Sorry, I looked at the uh, the other company that is uh associated with this Sherwood Productions. So, on IMDb, it lists the films that were made by this company sorted by popularity. <laughs> number 1 is War Games. Yeah. And number 2 is a film called The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai Across the 8th
1: Dimension. Oh, now that's Don't be messing with that one. There's a there's a uh, cult classic that uh i think i've actually seen at one point even though it's not one that really uh stuck with me but now that's a cult history there that that might not be one that we're gonna watch but I've, I've heard of that one
0: whoa peter weller john lithgow
1: jeff goldboom oh yeah christopher lloyd what a crew <laughs> we may have to do that one as a uh, my father before we should have watched this one
0: <laughs> robert ito why do i know that name okay well now it doesn't want to load um i'm not recognizing any of these why is that name familiar Oh, well.
1: Not important? No. Um, But, yeah, we definitely have a list of of things that we can keep on going through as we can. But,
0: but yeah, stay tuned (laughs) next week when we watch The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai. Um, Maybe.
1: We got to first find out if if it's streaming anywhere. Who
0: knows? (laughs) Oh, we'll find it. I got to watch that one now. But, yeah, we will catch you next time.